as uh, we begin our Bible studies together, uh, kind of introduce the beginning of this, questions that I ask as I study God's Word. So asking, what does this say? So just kind of looking right there, and what does the Word say? A question connected to that is, what does it mean for us today? Uh, what does this teach us about God? What does this teach us uh, about ourselves? And uh, the fifth question is, is there anything that surprises us? Well, as we work through this together, and particularly given the way that we're doing it now, I wanted to take some time and just kind of introduce three categories for us as we walk through this. And these are observation, interpretation, and application. Observation, interpretation, application. And this is pretty much how we do, you do Bible study. So observation, and that is just like taking some time, looking in God's word and saying, okay, what's here? That's the, what does this say question? Interpretation, that's the, what does this mean question? And the application is, you know, how does this connect to our lives? What does this mean for us today? And so really, as we go through, the first thing we're doing is observation, just seeing what's here. So when I ask questions, Typically, if I'm asking good questions, you should be able to look through and just see it right there in your copy of God's Word. Uh, so, for instance, you know, asking in verse 1 tonight, we're looking in uh, 1 John 4, you know, how does he address these people? He calls them beloved. Or maybe uh, your, your copy of God's Word uh, states it a different way. But we've got um, questions that we're observing in the text. And so, like, when I work with young people and I ask a question and they kind of look up at the ceiling or they think, I say, no, 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 you're looking in the wrong place. What we want to do is we just want to look in God's word together. So as we work through, that's really what we're trying to do is just get our nose right in God's word and understand it better uh, because of that. I'm getting a good bit of feedback from someone here. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do the mute all and then, um, you know, th then let y'all unmute yourselves as I ask questions. Maybe that'll uh, help us eliminate some of the kind of white noise in the background. There we go. All right, so we are in 1 John chapter 4. Now remember, we have three tests as we walk through this book together. And so here's where the questions start. Now, this, I, I guess I did all the introduction, and uh, it's actually not something that you're going to look in the text for. What, I'm, what we're going to do now is uh, see if you can remember what are our three tests. Uh, so the first test is what? Truth. Truth, right. There you go. So the truth test. Do you believe the truth of the gospel? Do you believe the truth about Jesus Christ? All right, test number one. We get two more. Life. Life. Nancy goes two for two. Very good. The life test. Do you live in a way that shows that you know Jesus? As we look at your life, does it look like Christ? And the third test? Love. Love. There you go. Uh, love. Do we love the family of God? Do you love the brothers and sisters in Christ? So as we start through a passage here, we're going to ask ourselves, uh, ask ourselves, which of these tests is John focusing on in this passage? So uh, 1 John uh, 4, verse 1, John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. 
we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we take these three tests, truth test, life test, love test. Which one do you think that John is uh, focusing on here today? Truth. Truth. Yeah, it's pretty clearly the truth test. Do you believe the truth about Jesus, uh, that he is God, that he is from God? And so as we talk here in verse 1, he begins talking about the idea of discernment. He says, don't believe every spirit, but do what with the spirits? Test. Yeah, test them. So we're supposed to test the spirits to see if they're from God. So really what he's asking us to do is exercise discernment. Now, why is that so important? It's important because everyone that claims to speak for God actually doesn't speak the truth. And at the end of verse one, he says that there are uh, many what? False prophets. False prophets. Very good. So what we've got are really the way he's uh, juxtaposing the, these ideas here is on the one hand, we have true prophets, people that claim to speak for God and do speak for God. And on the other hand, we have false prophets, people that claim to speak for God, but don't. And so how is it that we can tell the difference? Well, are there false prophets today? Certainly. What are some uh, ideas that are, say, common in our culture that today, that if we measure it against God's word, we know that's actually not true? What are false teachings today? <clears throat> what, what about? One of them is that if you're just good, you can go to heaven. You don't necessarily have to believe in Jesus. Yeah, right. That uh, basically you do your best, you give it your best mm -hmm. shot. Um, and, and if, you know, if, if God loves, like he says he does, then he won't send anyone to hell. Okay. So that's one. Uh, what, what about many ways, this? Many ways to Christ. Yeah, there you go. Many ways to Christ. I was going to say a similar idea, but a different way. Like we all have our own truth, you know, like we're kind of at the bottom of a mountain when we all climb, uh, we, we get to the top. And so truth is relative and there's, there's no really like one truth we all kind of have our versions of the truth but no one gets a corner of the truth um you know your your experience is enough and that's all that god will hold you accountable for and so uh as we start here don't assume that what he says about false prophets is just for you know sometime two thousand years ago it applies very clearly today and, and not just kind of a, a smarmy televangelist selling kind of a snake oil version of the gospel. There are really compelling, really gifted people who speak things that, that look good and sound good, but may not be true according to God's word. So he says, first of all, test. So then secondly, how can we know? So in the second verse, he gives us the answer. By this, you know the spirit of God. So he's talking here about testing spirits. Now, sometimes we think of a spirit in terms of, um, I don't know, uh, kind of like this demonic, esoteric being. And, and, and it's true that there are evil spirits. Here, he's talking particularly about uh, people that claim to represent the truth. So on the one hand, we have the spirit of God, which would be the ultimate true spirit. On the other hand, we have all of these other spirits. 
So according to verse two, how do we know if a spirit is speaking for God? How do we know what the spirit of God is? When they confess Jesus. Right. That when they confess Jesus and particularly what? That he has come in the flesh. flesh. Mm -hmm. so, so remember, he's combating the idea of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism says that Jesus isn't enough. Now, one form of Gnosticism is a form known as Docetism. Now, these are, you don't, you don't have to remember these there. I don't know, 50 cent words that you can spend somewhere if you want to sometime. But Docetism said that Jesus didn't actually become human. He just appeared human. God could take any form and he appeared to be human, but he wasn't truly human. And so John says, no, Jesus actually did come in the flesh. He actually is from God. And so to kind of take this up another level, more broadly speaking, what he's saying is the spirit of God always works consistently with the word of God. Now, it's not uncommon for someone to claim uh, that God told them something or that God led them to do something or that, that God's spirit is speaking to them in a particular way. And, and yet, that what they're claiming is actually contrary to the word of God. And what we see here is God's spirit always works consistently with his word. There will never be a time where God speaks in a way that is different than what he's already declared to be true in his word. And so broadly, God's spirit is always consistent with his word, but more narrowly, he teaches the truth about Jesus. He leads us to Jesus Christ. So true faith in Jesus, as he's revealed in scripture, is the litmus test for us for whether God's spirit is at work. And specifically, he's witnessing to that, the fact that Jesus is a truly human person. He's a human being. He has come in the flesh. Well, why is the claim that Jesus has come in the flesh, uh, why is this hard or why would this even be up for debate? Because it's impossible. God, a spirit, can't be human. God can't be of flesh, except that God can do this. Like, it's impossible apart from God. And the other thing that makes this difficult is that Jesus's claims are exclusive. I am the way, the truth, the life. And so in a world that likes to posture itself as saying we all have our own truth, Jesus comes and he says he is the truth. And it doesn't sound tolerant in the way that people like to think of it. So verse three, so uh, verse two, we've got the, the, the spirit that confesses that Jesus is from God. That's, that's the true spirit. Verse three, we've got another kind of spirit. And what kind of spirit is this? This kind of spirit does not confess what? Or who? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Again, it's, it's all about what do you do with Jesus? I mean, you can claim whatever you want, but you have to deal with the God-man, Jesus Christ. And if you do not confess Jesus, you're not from God. It doesn't matter what other good things you claim, what other good things you say, but if you don't believe the truth about Jesus, you don't know God. Not only that, he goes a step further, and uh, John kind of pulls out the big guns here, and he says, if you don't confess Christ, if you don't confess Jesus, not only are you not from God, what kind of spirit is this in verse 3? This is the spirit of what? Antichrist. Yeah, the Antichrist. Boom! Like, what's John getting at here? Now, 
Uh, John uses Antichrist uh, in at least two ways. So if you back up several verses into chapter 2, verse 18, he talks about the Antichrist and then many Antichrists. And so the, the Antichrist in this case is someone who is against Christ. I mean, it's, it's pretty clearly, literally uh, what the word means. So an Antichrist is someone who denies either the full deity of Jesus or the full humanity of Jesus or some combination of the two. And so uh, we believe there's probably some embodiment, full embodiment of this effort to deny Christ. But that spirit, the spirit of Antichrist, is in the world today. It was in here in, John, in the world in John's day, and it's here today. Well, how is it? How is the spirit of, uh, of the Antichrist manifested today? People deny what? If they deny Jesus. Christ came. Yeah, if you deny what the Bible says about Jesus. And so he's saying it's in the world already. So what is the goal of the Antichrist? It's to deceive people about Jesus. It's not, it's, it's not going to be coming in and, I don't know, like sort of Terminator music playing and, and someone announcing, oh, I'm, you know, I'm this big, bad, evil person. No, it's, it's just people leading to be deceived as to the nature of Christ, as to the work of Christ, as to what true faith in Christ looks like and specifically to, to see people about Jesus's humanity. All right, so verse four. So in verse one, uh, what does John call the church? He calls them what? Consistent friends. Good friends, dear friends, beloved. And now in verse four, he calls them what? Children. 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 And so these are two, uh, two of John's favorite terms that he uses uh, throughout this book. Uh, beloved or little children to address people. Now, when he says you are from God, what in the world do you think John might be meaning by that? When he says you are from God, when he's dealing with children, he's dealing with innocence. Okay, innocence. Well, you, you, you're 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 right, and you're on the right track because he's talking about children, and children are from whom? God. Yeah, in, in this case, from God or in, in, you know, in, in a literal sense, their parents. So he's talking about our spiritual parent, father. Yeah. He's saying, you are descended, you are from God. God is your father. So you kind of got two camps here. You are of uh, your father, God, or as Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. So you are from God or you are from the devil. So how do you know? If you are from God, you confess that Jesus is come in the flesh. Well, now he talks about overcoming these false teachers. So when he says, you are from God and have overcome them, what do you think he means? Is he talking about, I don't know, beating them up, being stronger than them physically? Stronger psychologically? What, what do you think he's talking about? Overcome their faults. Overcome their false teachings. Yeah, overcome. So that's right. Overcome their false teachings. You believe the truth. You overcome false teaching by believing what? By believing the truth, by believing God's word. So then John gets down to this, that we can be confident that we can overcome falsehood because what? He who is in you is what? Greater. Greater 
Greater. Greater than, than he who is, is in, in the, the world. world. So who do you think he's talking about when he says he who is in you? Jesus. Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough. It's it's either Jesus Christ or the Spirit, but here we think it's probably the Spirit because he's talking about the Spirit of God, and so in context, he's likely talking about the Holy Spirit. The one in you is greater than he who is in the world. So specific, I mean, generally he's talking about God in us, but here he's likely talking about the Holy Spirit, and so he's saying that the Spirit of God is greater than the Spirit of the Antichrist or he who is in the world. So ultimately, our spiritual security, so, you know, I love the way he does this, and God's word puts so many paradoxes out there for us. And here he does it again. He says, you can overcome, but how is it that we overcome? By whom? By the one in us. So it's like uh, Paul talks about this in, uh, in Philippians. He says that uh, you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and he also says, but it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's like you, but it's God. And here he says, you overcome by the one who lives in you. So ultimately, our spiritual security doesn't rest on our power, our strength, our ability, but rather in God himself, specifically in God's spirit who lives in us. So the power to overcome the enemies of God, comes from the Spirit of God. So where do these enemies come from? Verse 5 tells us the answer. Where are they from? World. Yep, they're from the world. Well, what does it mean to be from the world? Does that mean to be created? Uh, what do you think he, he's getting at here? Beliefs. Okay, beliefs. All right, teachings. So there's, yeah, teach, there's a system that's from God, and there's a system that's from the world. And here specifically, he's talking about teaching that's from the world. And we know by what he's already said that teaching that's from the world rejects the truth about Jesus. So why do people believe a lie? It's because they are from the world. So uh, we back up a verse into verse 4. He says, we are from God. And he's, he's saying, therefore, that God is our what? Father. father our father right here he says these people are from the world so who's their daddy satan yeah satan, satan. the world so so you've got kind of these these two systems people believe lies be, uh, because they don't belong to god they belong to the world and the world loves embracing lies about jesus therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them so it's like this i don't know this self affirmation society People speaking lies, but telling each other how wonderful they are as everyone, you know, speaks things that aren't true, but they affirm one another in their false teaching. And isn't, isn't that how uh, uh, deception works? That when we're deceived, we, we affirm one another in being deceived. And so when there's false teaching, you typically there are other people saying, hey, that's true, or, but, but it's not true. And so where do we go every time when, when, when rather than looking to one another, rather than looking to the world around us, where do we go to decide what's true? Bible. Yeah, to, to, to the Bible, to God's word. We have to go there because otherwise we end up in this endless cycle uh, of deceiving one another. So verse six, so these people are from the world. And again, he says, we are from where? God. From God. So God is our father. And in this case, uh, John is specifically referencing himself 
and, 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 and these, the true teachers, the, the people who are, who are fighting the false teachers. He says, we are from God, you are from God, and if you know God, you'll do what? What he said. Listen. listen. Yeah, in this case, listen to us, right, what he said. Yeah, we speak for God, so if you know God, you'll listen to us because we are speaking from God. But if you're not from God, what will, what will you not do? Listen. listen to what they have to say. Yeah, you won't listen. You listen to the other people. You won't listen to us. And he says, "By this we know what he calls the spirit of truth and the spirit of error." So, how then do we know truth from error? We know it by listening to God's word and believing what God says in His word. And we know that we're not of the spirit if we don't listen and submit to what God said in His what God says in His word. So this leads us to, I don't know, all, all kinds of different questions. So what about this? So, so kind of the, the, big, the summary of the teaching here is, if you are from God, you'll believe what God says in his word. Do true Christians ever disagree about what God says in his word? Yes. Yeah, frequently. Okay, so this means that there's a measure of Christian liberty in terms of like, how we practice this. But the church throughout the centuries has said, hey, there are certain core beliefs that you have to, that you must believe to be a Christian. In other words, you must believe that you are accountable to a creator God. If you don't believe this, you probably can't get to the gospel. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior from sin. You must believe that God saves you by his grace, not by your works. You must believe that God is the one, if he saves you, he will keep you. You must believe these things. And so the difficulty is that there, there are things like, so for instance, what about someone who doesn't believe that God will judge sin? Can that person be from God? No. Yeah. yeah it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Like if you don't believe you're accountable to God for your sin, it's going to be difficult to respond to God's word obediently. Um, what about someone who claims uh, that God says, hey, we should love each other, but he doesn't then believe about what limits God places on our love. So for instance, um, God says, love everybody, and he does, but they don't accept the Bible's teaching about love, so that love should be confined to one man, one woman uh, for life in marriage. That's, that's God's intent. Can that person be a Christian? Well, they, they could potentially. It's, it's tough. <laughs> But, but, but the point is that, that it's, or, or what about this? What about someone who, uh, who dates a non-Christian? Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they could be a Christian. But the point that John is making here is that if you are from God, you will listen to God's words. So what we don't want to do is, I don't know, let's, let's say the edge of someone, we, we don't want to be like pushing in here and saying, hey, what can we do in terms of uh, kind of, living our own way rather than submitting to God's word. So what we do is we rest in faith because the thing that saves us isn't doing all the right things. It's not believing everything specifically exactly right, but it is believing the gospel. It is believing that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the savior, that Jesus and, and that faith in Christ means that, that we live according to God's word. And so the things that we're talking about, some of them are fruits of the Spirit's work in our life. So there are things that when you're, uh, I don't know, you're a baby Christian, you don't fully understand. And so you're kind of working through it, and 
you don't get it. But then later on, God reveals things to you as you grow in your understanding of his word. And there are things that late in life you didn't understand at the beginning. And that's okay. But the point is that we ought to be the kind of people who are in God's word and know God's word and submit to God's word as he reveals it to us. We know that we know Christ when we know Christ as God has revealed him in his word.